Hey everyone, and welcome to the Curious Dragon Podcast. In the previous episode, life was becoming difficult for Crowley, ending with deportation from Italy by Benito Mussolini. So on to part four. Later life, Tunisia, Paris and London, 1923 to 1929. So, Crowley, along with Hersig, went to Tunis, where, dogged by continuous poor health, Crowley unsuccessfully tried again to give up heroin and began writing what he termed his autohagography, The Confessions of Alistair Crowley. They were then joined in Tunis by the Thelemite Norman Mudd, who became Crowley's public relations consultant, employing a local boy, Mohammed bin Brahim, as his servant. Crowley went with him on a retreat to Nefta, where they performed sex magic together. In January 1924, Crowley travelled to Nice, France, where he met with Frank Harris and underwent a series of nasal operations and also visited the Institute for the Harmonious Development of Man, and had a positive opinion of its founder, George Gurdjieff. Now destitute, Crowley took on a wealthy student, Alexander Zola, before taking on another American follower, Dorothy Olson. Crowley took Olsen back to Tunisia for a magical retreat in Nefta, and where he also wrote, To Man, 1924, a declaration of his own status as a prophet, entrusted with bringing Thelema to humanity. After spending the winter in Paris in early 1925, Crowley and Olsen returned to Tunis, where he wrote, the Heart of the Master, 1938, as an account of a vision he had experienced in a trance. In March, Olsen became pregnant and her sig was called to take care of her, but she miscarried, following which Crowley then took Olsen back to France. Her sig later distanced herself from Crowley, who then denounced her. According to Crowley, Royce had named him head of the Ordo Templi Orientes upon his death, but this was challenged by a leader of the German branch, one Heinrich Tranker. So Heinrich Tranker called the Hohenleben Conference in Thuringia, Germany, in which Crowley attended. There at the conference, prominent members like Karl Germer and Martha Kunzel championed Crowley's leadership, but other key figures like Albin Gru, Oscar Hopfer and Henri Bervin backed Tranker by opposing it, so this resulted in a split of the Ordo Templi Orientes. 
Moving to Paris, where he broke with Olsen in 1926, Crowley went through a large number of lovers over the following years, and with whom he experimented in sex magic. Throughout, Crow- throughout, Crowley was now dogged by poor health. This largely caused by his heroin and cocaine addictions. In 1928, Crowley was introduced to a young Englishman, Israel Regate, who embraced Thelema and became Crowley's secretary for the next three years. Also that year, Crowley also met Gerald York, who now began organising Crowley's finances, but he never became a Thelemite. Crowley also befriended the homosexual journalist Tom Dryberg. Dryberg did not accept Thelema either, but it was here that Crowley also published one of his most significant works, Magic in Theory and Practice but which received little attention at that time. In December 1928, Crowley met the Nicaraguan Maria Teresa Sanchez. Crowley was deported from France by the authorities, who disliked his reputation and feared that Crowley was a German agent. So that she could join him in Britain, Crowley now married Sanchez in August 1929. Also now based in London, Mandrake Press agreed to publish his autobiography, but in a limited edition, six-volume set, and also publishing his novel, Moonchild, and a book of of short stories, The Stratagem. Mandrake went into liquidation in November 1930 before the entirety of Crowley's confessions could be published. The owner, P.R. Stevenson, wrote The Legend of Alistair Crowley An Analysis of the Media Coverage Surrounding Him Berlin and London, 1930-1938 In April 1930, Crowley now moved to Berlin, where he took Hanna Jaeger as his magical partner. The relationship was troubled. In September, Crowley went to Lisbon in Portugal, this to meet the poet Fernando Pessoa. While there, Crowley decided to fake his own death, doing so with Pessoa's help at the Boca do Inferno, a rock formation. Crowley then returned to Berlin, where he would reappear three weeks later at the opening of his art expedition at the gallery Newman Neurendorf. Crowley's paintings fitted with the fashion for German Expressionism. Few of them sold, but the press reports were largely favourable. In August 1931, Crowley took Bertha Bush as his new lover, 
they had a violent relationship and they often physically assaulted one another. Crowley continued to have affairs with both men and women while in the city and met with famous people like Aldous Huxley and Alfred Adler. After befriending him in January 1932, Crowley took the communist Gerald Hamilton as a lodger through whom Crowley was introduced to many figures within the Berlin far left and it is possible that Crowley was operating as a spy for British intelligence at this time monitoring the communist movement. Crowley left Bush and then returned to London, where he now took Pearl Brocksmith as his new Scarlet Woman. Undergoing further nasal surgery, it was here in 1932 that Crowley was invited to be a guest of honour at Foyle's Literary Luncheon, and he was invited by Harry Price to speak at the National Laboratory of Psychical Research. Now in need of money, Crowley launched a series of court cases against people whom he believed had libelled him. Some of these would prove successful. Crowley gained much publicity for his lawsuit against Constable and Co. for publishing Nina Hamnet's Laughing Torso, 1932. This a book Crowley claimed libelled him by referring to his occult practice as black magic, but he lost the case. The court case now added to Crowley's financial problems, and then in February 1935, Crowley was declared bankrupt. During the hearing, it was revealed that Crowley had been spending three times his income for several years. Crowley now developed a friendship with Deirdre Patricia Doherty. She offered to bear his child, who was born in May 1937. Named Randall Gare, Crowley nicknamed him Alistair Ataturk. He died in a car accident in 2002 at the age of 65. Crowley continued to socialise with friends, holding curry parties in which he cooked particularly spicy food for them. In 1936, Crowley published his first book in six years, called The Equinox of the Gods, which also contained a facsimile of The Book of the Law, and was considered to be Volume 3, Number 3 of the Equinox periodical. The work sold well, resulting in a second print run. In 1937, Crowley gave a series of public lectures on yoga in Soho. Crowley was now living largely off contributions supplied by the Ordo Templis Orientis. 
a gap a lodge over in California led by rocket scientist John Whiteside Jack Parsons. Crowley was intrigued by the rise of Nazism in Germany and influenced by his friend Martha Kunzel believed that Adolf Hitler might convert to Thelema but when the Nazis abolished the German Ordo Templi Orientis and then imprisoned Germer who would then flee to the US Crowley then lambasted Hitler as a black magician. Second World War and Death 1939-1947 When the Second World War broke out Crowley wrote to the Naval Intelligence Division offering his services but they declined his offer. Crowley also associated with a variety of figures in the British intelligence community at the time such as Dennis Wheatley, Roald Dahl, Ian Fleming and Maxwell Knight and claimed to have been behind the Viva Victory sign first used by the BBC. This has never been proven. Then, in 1940, Crowley's asthma worsened and with his German-produced medication now unavailable, Crowley returned to using heroin and once again becoming addicted. As the Blitz hit London, Crowley went and relocated to Torquay, where he was briefly hospitalised with asthma and entertained himself with visits to the local chess club. But tiring of Torquay, Crowley returned to London, where he was visited by the American Thelemite, Grady McMurtry, to whom Crowley was now awarded the title of Hymenius Alpha. Crowley stipulated that through Germa would be his immediate successor, McMurty should succeed Germa as head of the Ordo Templi Orientis after the latter's death. With Ordo Templi Orientis initiate Lady Frieda Harris, Crowley now developed plans to produce a tarot card set designed by him and painted by Harris. Accompanying this was a book published in a limited edition as The Book of Thoth by Chiswick Press in 1944. To aid the war effort, Crowley wrote a proclamation on the right of humanity, Liber Oz, and a poem for the liberation of France, Le Galois. Crowley's final publication during his lifetime was a book of poetry, Ola, an anthology of 60 years of song. Another of his projects, Alistair explains everything, was posthumously published as Magic Without Tears. In April 1944, Crowley briefly moved to Aston Clinton in Buckinghamshire, where he was visited by the poet Nancy Cunard, 
before relocating to Hastings in Sussex, where he took up residence at the Netherwood boarding house. Crowley took a young man named Kenneth Grant as his secretary, paying him in magical teachings rather than wages. Crowley was also introduced to John Simmons, whom he appointed to be his literary executor. Simmons thought little of Crowley later on publishing negative biographies of him. Corresponding with the illusionist Arnold Crowther, it was through him that Crowley was introduced to Gerald Gardner, the future founder of Gardnerian Wicker. They became friends with Crowley authorising Gardner to revive Britain's ailing Ordo Templi Orientis. Another visitor was Eliza Marianne Butler, who interviewed Crowley for her book, The Myth of the Magus. Other friends and family also spent time with him, and among them was Doherty and also Crowley's son, Alistair Atatürk. On 1st December 1947, Crowley died at Netherwood of chronic bronchitis aggravated by pleurisy and myocardial degeneration, age 72. His funeral was held at a Brighton crematorium on the 5th of December. Around a dozen people attended, with Lewis Wilkinson reading excerpts from the Gnostic Mass, the Book of the Law and Hymn to Pan. The funeral generated press controversy and was labelled a black mass by the tabloids. Crowley's body was cremated with his ashes sent to Karl Germer in the United States where he buried them in his garden in Hampton, New Jersey. Beliefs and Thought Crowley's belief system, Thelema, has been described by scholars as a religion and more specifically as both a new religious movement and as a magico-religious doctrine. It has also been characterised as a form of esotericism and modern paganism. Although holding the Book of the Law, which was composed in 1904, as its central text, Thelema took shape as a complete system in the years after 1904. In his autobiography, Crowley claimed that his purpose in life had been to bring Oriental wisdom to Europe and to restore paganism in a purer form, although what Crowley meant by paganism was unclear. Crowley also wrote in the fourth book of magic about a great pagan umbral fleet ruled by Ottovius that would be handed down to the great Spartan. The esoteric nature of this was also unclear. Crowley's thought was not always cohesive 
and was influenced by a variety of sources ranging from Eastern religious movements and practices like Hindu, Yoga and Buddhism, scientific naturalism and various currents within Western esotericism, among them ceremonial magic, alchemy, astrology, Rosicrucianism, Kabbalah and the Tarot. Crowley was steeped in the esoteric teachings that he had learned from the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, although pushed further with his own interpretation and strategies than the Golden Dawn had done. Crowley also incorporated concepts and terminology from South Asian religious traditions like yoga and tantra into his dilemmic system, believing that there was a fundamental underlying resemblance between Western and Eastern spiritual systems. The historian Alex Owen noted that Crowley adhered to the modus operandi of the decadent movement throughout his life. Crowley believed that the 20th century marked human humanity's entry to the Aeon of Horus, this new era in which humans would now take increasing control of their destiny. Crowley believed that this Aeon follows on from the Aeon of Osiris in which paternalistic religions like Christianity, Islam and Buddhism dominated the world and that this in turn had followed the Aeon of Isis which had been maternalistic and dominated by goddess worship. Crowley believed that Thelema was the proper religion of the Aeon of Horus and also deemed himself to be the prophet of this new Aeon. Thelema revolves around the idea that human beings each have their own true will and that they should discover and pursue that this exists in harmony with the cosmic will that pervades the universe. Crowley referred to this process of searching and discovery of one's true will to be the great work, or the attaining of the knowledge and conversation of the holy guardian angel. His favourite method of doing so was through the performance of the Abramelin operation. This a ceremonial magic ritual that was obtained from a 17th century grimoire. The moral code of do what thou wilt is believed by Thelemites to be the religion's ethical law. Although the historian of religion Marco Passi noted that this was not anarchistic or libertarian in structure, as Crowley saw individuals as part of a wider societal organism. Magic and Theology Crowley believed in the objective existence of magic, which he chose to spell M-A-G-I-C-K, 
this and older and archaic spelling of the word. Crowley provided various different definitions of this term over his career. In his book Magic in Theory and Practice, Crowley defined magic as the science and art of causing chance to occur in conformity with will. Crowley also told his disciple, Carl Germer, that magic is getting into communication with individuals who exist on a higher plane than ours. Mysticism is the raising of oneself to their level. Crowley saw magic as a third way between religion and science. Given the equinox, the subtitle of The Method of Science, The Aim of Religion, within that journal he expressed positive sentiments towards science and the scientific method and urged magicians to keep detailed records of their magical experiments. The more scientific the record is, the better. Crowley's understanding of magic was also influenced by the work of the anthropologist James Frazier, in particular the, vein, the view that magic was a precursor to science in a cultural evolutionary framework. But, unlike Frazier, however, Crowley did not see magic as a survival form, a survival from the past. That required eradication but rather Crowley believed that magic had to be now adapted to suit the new age of science. In Crowley's alternative scheme, old systems of magic had to decline, per Fraser's framework, so that the science and magic could synthesize into magic, M-A-G-I-C-K, which would simultaneously accept the existence of the supernatural and an experimental method. Crowley deliberately adopted an exceptionally broad definition of magic. That included almost all forms of technology as magic, adopting an instrumentalist interpretation of magic, science and technology. Sexuality played an important role in Crowley's ideas about magic and his practice of it, and has been described as being central to Thelema. Crowley outlined three forms of sex magic, the autoerotic, homosexual and heterosexual, and he also argued that such acts could be used to focus the magician's will onto a specific goal, such as financial gain or personal creative success. For Crowley, sex was treated as a sacrament, with the consumption of sexual fluids interpreted as a Eucharist. This was often manifested as the cakes of light, this a biscuit containing either menstrual blood or a mixture of semen and vaginal fluids. The Gnostic Mass is the central religious ceremony within Thelema.
Crowley's theological beliefs were not clear. The historian Ronald Hutton noted that some of Crowley's writings could be used to argue that he was an atheist, while some support the idea that Crowley was a polytheist, and others would also bolster the idea that he was a mystical monotheist. So, on the basis of the teachings in the Book of the Law, Crowley described a pantheon of three deities taken from the ancient Egyptian pantheon, Nuit, Hadit and Rahukut. Then, in 1928, Crowley made the claim that all true deities were derived from the Istrinity. Jason Josephson Storm has argued that Crowley built on 19th century attempts to link early Christianity to pre-Christian religions such as Fraser's Golden Bow to synthesize Christian theology and neo-paganism while remaining critical of institutional and traditional Christianity. Both during his life and after it, Crowley has been widely described as a Satanist, usually by detractors. Crowley stated he did not consider himself a Satanist, nor did he worship Satan, as he did not accept the Christian worldview, in which Satan was believed to exist. Crowley nevertheless used satanic imagery, for instance by describing himself as the Beast 666, and referring to the Whore of Babylon in his work, while in later life he sent anti-Christmas cards to his friends. In his writings, Crowley occasionally identified Iwas as Satan, and designated him as our Lord God the Devil at one occasion. The scholar of religion, Gordon Jujuf, stated that Crowley was emphatically not a Satanist, if for no other reason than simply because he did not identify himself as such. Crowley nevertheless expressed strong anti-Christian sentiment, stating that he hated Christianity as socialists hate soap, an animosity, an animosity probably stemming from his experiences among the Plymouth Brethren. Crowley was nevertheless influenced by the King James Bible and especially the Book of Revelation, the impact of which can be seen in his writings. He was also accused of advocating human sacrifice, largely because of a passage in Book 4, in which he stated that a male child of perfect innocence and high intelligence is the most satisfactory victim, and added that he had sacrificed about 150 every year. But this was a tongue-in-cheek reference to ejaculation, something that was not realised by his critics. Finally, his legacy and influence. Alistair Crowley has remained an influential figure both amongst occultists and also in popular culture. 
in particularly that of Britain, but also of other parts of the world. In 2002, a BBC poll placed Crowley 73rd in a list of the 100 Greatest Britons. Richard Cavendish has written of Crowley that in native talent, penetrating intelligence and determination, Alistair Crowley was the best equipped magician to emerge since the 17th century. The scholar of esotericism, Egghill Aspern, described him as one of the most well-known figures in modern occultism. The scholar of esotericism, Wouter Heingraff, also asserted that Crowley was an extreme representation of the dark side of the occult, and adding that he was the most notorious occultist magician of the 20th century. The philosopher John Moore was of the opinion that Crowley stood out as a modern master when compared with other prominent occult figures like George Jujieff, P.D. Ospensky, Rudolf Steiner and Helena Blatt-Vasky, also describing him as a living embodiment of Oswald Spengler's Faustian Man. Biographer Tobias Churton considered Crowley a pioneer of consciousness research. Hutton also noted that Crowley had an important place in the history of modern Western responses to Oriental spiritual traditions, while Sutton thought that he had made distinctly original contributions to the study of yoga in the West. Thelema continued to develop and spread following Crowley's death. In 1969, the Ordo Templi Orientes was reactivated in California, now under the leadership of Grady Lewis McMurty. In 1985, its right to the title was unsuccessfully challenged in court by a rival group called the Society Ordo Templi Orientes and led by Brazilian Thalamite Marcelo Ramos Mota. Another American Thalamite is the filmmaker Kenneth Anger, who had been influenced by Crowley's writings from a young age. In the United Kingdom, Kenneth Grant propagated a tradition known as Typhonian Thelema through his organization Typhonian Ordo Templi Orientis and later renamed Typhonian Order. Also in Britain, an occultist known as Amado Crowley claimed to be Crowley's son. This has been refuted by academic investigation. Amado argued that Thelema was a false religion that was created by Crowley to hide his true esoteric teachings, which Amado claimed to be propagating. Several Western esoteric traditions, other than Thelema, were also influenced by Crowley, with the Jujuvich observing that Crowley's influence on 20th century and contemporary esotericism had been enormous. Gerald Gardner, the founder of Gardneria Wicca, 
made use of Crowley's published material when composing the Gardenerian ritual liturgy. The Australian witch, Rosaline Norton, was also heavily influenced by Crowley's ideas. The scholars of religion, as John Dryrendell, James R. Lewis and Jasper Peterson, noted that despite the fact that Crowley was not a Satanist, he in many ways embodies the pre-Satanist esoteric discourse on Satan and Satanism through his lifestyle and his philosophy. With his image and our art becoming an, an important influence on the later development of religious Satanism. So, for instance, two prominent figures in religious Satanism, Anton LaVey and Michael Aquino, were influenced by Crowley's work. Crowley also had a wider influence in British popular culture after his time in Cephalu, which had brought him to public attention in Britain, various literary Crowley's now, uh, Crowley's now appeared characters in fiction based upon him. One of the earliest was the character of the poet Shelley Arabin in John Buchan's 1926 novel The Dancing Floor. In his novel The Devil Rides Out, the writer Dennis Wheatley used Crowley as a partial basis for the character of Damien Morcata, a portly bald and a defrocked priest who engages in black magic. The occultist Dion Fortune also uses Crowley as a basis for characters in her books, The Secrets of Dr. Taverner, 1926, and The Winged Bull, 1953. Crowley was included as one of the figures on the cover art of Beatles albums in Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, 1967. Crowley's motto of Do What Thou Wilt was also inscribed on the vinyl of Led Zeppelin's album Led Zeppelin 3, 1970. Led Zeppelin co-founder Jimmy Page bought Bolskine in 1971 and part of the band's film, The Song Remains the Same, was filmed in the grounds. He sold Bolskine in 1992. Though David Bowie makes but a fleeting reference to Crowley in the lyrics of his song Quicksand, 1971, it has also been suggested that the lyrics of Bowie's number one hit single, Let's Dance, 1983, may subsequently paraphrase Crowley's 1923 poem, Lyric of Love to Leah. Finally, in the late 1990s, Crowley began to receive scholarly attention from academics. And that is the life, or most likely some of the life, of Alistair Crowley. Before I go, just want to say about a podcast on YouTube. Do you like or love tarot? Well, why not check out Tarot by the Moon? Your host Natasha will deal the cards giving you an intuitive reading. Tarot by the Moon is out weekly on YouTube. You can subscribe to and by hitting notifications you will never miss a reading and it's free. 
Also, Tarot by the Moon is on Facebook, so contact Natasha for any questions you may have. So, I get asked, what app do you use for your podcast? Well, dear listener, I use Anchor. I record on my mobile phone, but you can use a tablet or laptop if you want. You can edit, put sounds on, even music via Spotify. Um, When you're finished, Anchor will distribute your podcast to Apple, Spotify, Google and many more. And the cost is free. 